We at Global Nomad Hacks are peace heroes. By playing Peace and Harmony program during this episode, we help create one million pockets of peace by dissolving stress and tension. To be your own peace hero and get your own copy, go to peaceandharmonydownload.com. Welcome back to Global Nomad Hacks. And today, I always enjoy introducing you to some of the people that are in my network that I know. And then I just come across, I'm like, you have got to share your story. And John McGarvey is one of those. He has got an incredible history of living and traveling abroad, but he's also been one of those people that has been able to capture some of the things that he has learned abroad and bringing them back to his homeland and his home country to share them with the rest of the world. And what I'm talking about here is Chinese herbal remedies. We'll learn a little bit more about that. But first of all, I want to introduce you to John and hear have him share a little bit more about his story. Welcome. Well, thanks, Heidi, for inviting me. And I'm so honored and a little humbled to be here today. Well, it's such a treat to have friends come on, for one, but friends that are doing really cool things, even better. Can you, because I mean, it's such a wide range, your story, but can you share a little bit about sort of, you know, your expat experience, your nomad experience, so people can get a little bit of a background of where you came from and where you are now? Yeah, absolutely. And and it always kind of starts with, you know, I was a, a student at a public high school in Des Moines, Iowa, of all places. And here I am a lot of years later, and I'm running this company or helped create this company that's very much about a modality that's as far from Des Moines, Iowa as you can get, Chinese herbal medicine. But I always start there because in uh, 1994, I went to China for the first time as a student. And what was really unique at that time is the fact that in a public high school, particularly there, you had two options for your language uh, alternatives. It was either French or Spanish. And my high school happened to offer a Chinese program. And therein lies sort of the, the future kind of breadcrumb of what got me here. Went to China for the first time in the 90s. And after college, during which I had continued to study and speak uh, Chinese, I, I never lived abroad. And I'll forego the, the full story, but I was on Wall Street for a while. And I'll never forget a mentor of mine once said, if you really want to kind of get good at this financial modeling stuff and whatnot, there's a million of you financial wonks here. Why don't you go do something a bit more interesting for a while? And, and this will always be here for you. But if that's something that uh, you, know, you, you want to pursue outside of just Wall Street and wearing a suit and all that kind of stuff, you should go do it. And I was given the opportunity to, of all things, start a microfinance lending program in Lhasa, Tibet. And I'm skipping over a lot of facts as to how that happened, but I literally, when the opportunity arose, I I quit my job that was on Park Avenue. And a month later, I found myself not in Lhasa right away, but I was in Nepal. And that's kind of one of these life changing, like, what the hell? How did I get here? And the next thing you know, I I was on my way to to spending about two years in Tibet with, you know, through a a mutual friend of of all things, which is, is really cool. But that kind of not only set me on the path to being sort of the global nomad, as it were, but as well, just being an entrepreneur, because what we were left with in, in Tibet was was a little bit of money from um, some institutions, our knowledge of how to set up sort of some, some in this case, micro little business enterprises, and just a, a really big heart to see if we could, you know, in a small way, change, change the world through helping some people that would otherwise never be on a show like this. And so that set out my sort of uh, experience with the nomad, the, the expat, all that stuff, which short of getting married and having kids was the greatest experience. And if there's anyone listening who is sitting in a cubicle on Park Avenue and thinking or, or wherever they are, that, that's in the past maybe, but just contemplating 
you know, that experience when you're in your mid twenties, you, you go do it because like my mentor said, wall street's kind of, it's always there as are a lot of cool opportunities that are, are more conventional than, than getting up and moving. After my time in Tibet, that same mentor had kind of uh, motivated me to kind of get my hands dirty with running a business that would eventually at that time, take me back to the sort of conventional financial services path. And again, there's some zigging and zagging that went on here. But ultimately, before I went to graduate school, I, I ran a frozen food company. And it's totally quirky what we did. It was highly specialized, but we were reasonably successful with it. And skipping over a lot of facts, uh, this company made frozen vegetables. And uh, we used to make them in uh, northern Florida. But of more interest to your guests, we ultimately set up a, a sort of a, a business relationship with a manufacturer, two manufacturers, one in the Dominican Republic and then one in Honduras. And so all of a sudden, I found myself you know, going from being an expat in, in China and Tibet to running down to the Caribbean or Central America for a while. And ultimately, that was supposed to be a very small, short tenure of my career. It turned out to be much longer. I got married. If you're sticking with me, it's uh, when I uh, ultimately got exposed to the natural product industry. And in there, Heidi, that was my first foray into this idea that we could do something with Chinese medicine. And again, there's a lot of things that transpired, but ultimately we sold that frozen food company. And then I was left with the decision of what the hell am I going to do now? And uh, my wife, God bless her, gave me the leash to, and the latitude to say, if you're going to do this thing with Chinese medicine, you got to do it now, bub, because we're not going to kind of wait around forever. You've been talking about it. So, so now is the time. And that was about four years ago, three and a half years ago. And, and here I am. I, um, I'm one of the co-founders of what we think is a, a really cool company that mixes all of sort of my past into you know, what I do now and, and sprinkles in a tremendous amount of passion. And in essence, what we do is we take uh, this beautiful practice that's 2,500 years old, that's widely, widely practiced around the world. It's here in the United States. We can think of it through kind of acupuncturists and uh, other alternative health modalities. But what we do is we take Chinese herbs or Chinese herbal medicine, and we present them in ways and in formats that are approachable and convenient uh, to uh, Western consumers, uh, if you will, but in a way that's highly authentic and innovative uh, at the same time. And so, you know, starting with that that kid in, in Iowa, not knowing what the hell was out there in the world, that's where it kind of all started. And, and here I am. I love it. And I, I love the way that all of the different things really fed into different parts of your story and sort of where you are now. I mean, going all the way from Tibet and spending time with our beloved Art Milliken and and, you know, all of these different things that you obviously sort of, as we travel, we take different pieces of knowledge and experience with us. And that sort of defines who we are and what we do going forward. And I think that's it's really quite powerful and beautiful. And the work that you're doing now is so accessible. And that's one of the things I love about it is Chinese herbal medicine, as, as you said, has been around for centuries. Mm -hmm. But it's really more about the fact that you know, it used to be you have to go to this little herbalist and it's all of these, you know, dried herbs hanging around and then they give you a bag of a bunch of different things and you're like, oh God, oh, you know, yep. go home and totally. make these teas and the teas are disgusting. And, yep. <laughs> yes, and absolutely. so it just makes it very hard to, I mean, obviously I'm, I'm, I'm a Westerner, so this is my, you know, tainted viewpoint. But for me, it was more, you know, I wasn't going to do that or, and also yeah. traveling you're not going to throw all those things in your bag. They're all going to break yeah, apart absolutely. and it's going to be a mess. Whereas you guys have created these solutions that are super easy to travel with. They're really, you know, they're, they're the mixtures already done. 
And you have some really amazing people that are behind the the medicine part of it. Can you Absolutely. talk a little bit about the background there? Because obviously, you're not a doctor. You just found the right solutions and the people to create this product. Absolutely. And, you know, there's a lot of things I could unpack with what you just described, because that's it. it is, it's this beautiful, powerful modality, but your experience is not unique by any stretch of the imagination. And so there I was at this big trade show, Natural Products Expo West. And this is a true story. It was at one of these, you know, silly happy hours afterwards. And here I was schlepping my frozen vegetables, which I was kind of running the course with. And I remember speaking with somebody that was in the supplement area. And I just said, hey, you know, does anybody do anything with Chinese medicine at this show? And I just distinctly remember her turning. She said, no, but somebody should. And the challenges and the problems with Chinese herbal medicine is both what you described and then as well, just trying to understand and get your arms around it because it's very, very confusing. And I'm not an acupuncturist. I'm not a doctor, as you said, but there's terms like the yin, the yang, the heating, the cooling, qi, stagnation, all of these things, which if you were to go see an acupuncturist, and we really encourage everybody to have in their sort of wellness toolkit, that's the sort of baseline of what they do. I brought to the table at Dow Labs, I guess the entrepreneurial passion, we could say it's the vision. And it was the sort of willingness to, to kind of take the leap into kind of filling this void that we saw that was out there. What I needed to do is surround myself with people that knew all the things that I just described. And therein lies our chief Chinese medicine officer, whose uh, name is Dr. Eric Karchmer. He lives in Boone, North Carolina. He himself is a global nomad, lived in China for about eight plus years. He actually was just awarded a Fulbright, and he's heading back over there for six months. Uh, he's going to Taiwan to study Chinese medicine and one particular formula that is so cool, it would just blow your, your socks off. But that's, that's another podcast. But he knows the medicine. He's the authority. He's the guy that, that brings it all together. He's supported by a really cool woman named Dr. Shelly Oaks, who's in Beijing. She's cool on many levels, but one of the cool things is she's a Western woman who is an academic and a highly acclaimed, accomplished Chinese medicine scholar in Beijing. And it's the fact that she didn't grow up there and that she's this Westerner that's doing it that like makes it all the more interesting. But what we try to do is rely on, as I said, the authenticity and the knowledge of these two to keep us in the guardrails. Because one thing we're not trying to do is water down or diminish what this stuff does. And it's easy to do. We spend utmost hours trying to, to kind of formulate our names and our positioning and all those kinds of things. I said utmost hours. It doesn't make any sense. We spend a lot of time on that. And what we do is try to maintain the authenticity and, and make sure that what we're doing and, and communicating isn't exactly what the formula does, because it would be really easy to water this down. And one of our tenants is the, uh, the authenticity aspect to it. And, and those folks help me help us kind of maintain that. So when we go out and say, no, this does it, or we talk to an acupuncturist that says, no, like this isn't as pure as it could be. No, it really is. In addition to Eric and Shelly, we've got a chief culinary officer who studied in Europe and uh, here in the United States. He sort of brings both the Chinese dietary aspect to the table, which we could loosely define as food as medicine here, but then as well helps from our flavoring, from our positioning, all those things. And so going back to that experience with trying to create a product that people would consume, as you well know, 65% of repeat purchases stem from like, how does it taste? And the thing with Chinese medicine is it tastes terrible. Yeah. And that unfortunately is the barrier for a lot of people to try this stuff. And so if we could get people to consume it, if we could get past all of that, then we thought, well, maybe we'd, we'd, we'd have a company and, and here we are, you know, three plus years in and, and it's pretty exciting. It totally is. I love the, the cross-cultural aspect of it and that you've been able to, to translate something and that's 
but it's really on the functional side, as we're talking about like the functional medicine, that really has been inaccessible for most Westerners uh, up until now. And I mean, I, I go to an acupuncturist, she gives me supplements that are, it's Chinese medicine that's put, you know, put in capsules. And that works great. I mean, the, the functionality of the medicine is great. And it, it is getting to the point where, you know, you don't necessarily have to go to an herbalist that gives you a bunch of things that are, you know, that you have to put together in a tea. But You've taken it sort of one step further and making it taste good and, and sort of integrating it into makes it easier and more accessible to integrate it into your routine or your diet or your travel or whatever that is. And, and but it, you've also, if I understand it, and I, I apologize for listeners if you feel like this is an infomercial because this is not about that. <laughs> it's more, I'm just really curious about sort of the cross cultural, like, how do you adapt something that works in one culture? But in a very different, you know, but the accessibility or the, the utility of it is very different. And then to deal with different issues or target particular issues to another culture and find mm -hmm. solutions, but you have to adapt the solution so that people will actually try it, will actually use it. I think that part is really quite interesting. And it seems like that's where your sweet spot has been in terms of that translation piece. It's not just the language. Or maybe recognizing those pieces of the language that Westerners do get, like you were talking about. It's the chi. It's the it's it's things like that. So you know, I mean, granted, we're I'm in California. We hear this stuff all the time. We're you know the land of the woo woo. But I think that it is becoming more mainstream and sort of recognizing what are those pieces that we can extract from that, so people understand that the solutions are there and how do they use them in a way that is not, you know, doesn't feel like they're sucking on a bunch of dirt, <laughs> which you know, unfortunately it has been in the past. <laughs> and that, that's a fair, like, that's a fair description. And as well, that's a really important question. Our formulas are designed to be mixed with cold water. Now you can put them in hot water if you want to, but the majority of them are meant to blend through effervescent ingredients and whatnot, the way like emergency or other vitamin C powders work. And that concept of putting them with cold water is both foreign from a Chinese perspective and a Chinese medicine perspective. You know, when I went to China for the first time in 1994, like that's when I saw that everyone was walking around with a, a giant thermos. And this was in the middle of July in Southwest China that was, you know, as humid as it gets. And they were sitting around drinking hot water. Well, there are some cultural aspects to that. And then there's the medical aspect of which they believe that just keeping your digestive system warm, that kind of like pursues that. And then also indirectly, if you drink hot, it will cool you down. Putting that aside, there is no way that we could stand in Times Square or in Berkeley and say, what you need to do is get real hot boiling water and then add these things when it's 95 degrees outside. And what it's going to do is yada, yada, yada. And oh, by the way, take it on an airplane at the same time. We recognize that in order to penetrate more customers and to reach more people, it obviously had to be adapted. And we get emails all the time from acupuncturists or others that will say, well, you're watering this down. You are, this is not right. This is, you know, it's, it's more of an individualistic and whatnot. And, and we entirely get that. One of our formulas we recommend you take with coffee, joint vitality is incredible. And that is kind of like the third rail of how you would go about prescribing herbs from a, a Chinese medicine perspective. Our approach is to make this, as we say, as accessible as possible and be as authentic as possible. And what I say to every one of those acupuncturists, or for that matter, 
people from China who do not like our formulas because as well, it, it's flavored, you know, number one. And number two is you got to add it to hot, cold water. And it's the reasons I just described. What we say to Westerners that say, hey, you're, you're watering this down is our approach is to make sure that everyone has an on-ramp to this practice. And if we can convince people that through any one of our formulas that Chinese medicine like was the secret behind all this, and that inches them one step closer to either trying acupuncture or moxibustion or cupping or whatnot, then we kind of all win. Because right now, like you described, you get the bag of herbs. I've heard that story so many times. No one's going to take the herbs on planes. No one is going to necessarily explain to their friend, like, you should take these herbs. I don't know what they do and all this kind of stuff, but you got to take this person, talk to this person, all that kind of stuff. Those are all barriers to like being able to try this. And by no stretch of the imagination, are we trying to say you should get rid of your Western healthcare or your doctor or relationships with any of those providers. But this stuff, as my colleagues would tell you, and, and you well know through your relationship with your acupuncturist, like it does work. Okay. Like it's not FDA, it's not FTC, all that kind of stuff, but like there's enough heritage and history. And I've been to hospitals in China where there's some really sick people that are being treated by herbs and, and needles. But like, if no one's going to try it because of all those barriers that we talk to, then no one's going to under, you know, ultimately unleash all of it. And so I think the rule of thumb there is just being really cognizant of that. You know, you, you do get knocked around a little bit when people say that, you know, shame on you for doing what you're doing. But I, I stand by ultimately what our goal is, and that is trying to introduce Chinese medicine to everybody, quite frankly, and to having that relationship with an acupuncturist or, or whatnot in, in their life. And I think that's just a reality of, of the local market and what we're trying to do. I mean, like if we put this on the shelf and we called our formulas Du Hua Jishantong, no one knows what the hell that is, you know? <laughs> so we call it joint vitality, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and that's marketing that's being, you know, obviously uh, highly attuned to what the needs are and just like, how do we make this stuff again? Very, very approachable. Oh, absolutely. And you've got several different formulations. And what can you talk a little bit, we don't need to go into deep details, but can you talk a little bit about some of the formulations that you guys have? Because you've really focused on some of the biggest issues that particularly Westerners are really struggling from right now. And a lot of them, you know, I, I wouldn't say actually it's just Westerners, but certainly Westerners struggle with a lot of these issues that you're dealing that that your formulations target. And so it just makes it even more accessible because it's not something like it's not something random that yeah. oh you know diabetes or something yeah, no for sure and when you kind of get into the world of chinese medicine it approaches things much differently than sort of a, a western approach it goes after not just the, the the root cause but trying to harmonize the constitution and the interior and all those kinds of things when we started and like you, you just don't know what the hell is going to happen and so we just pick some really classic formulas that we know worked well and that were in really big categories that people kind of suffered from. So we've got an immunity product. We offer solutions for digestion. If you have a sleep problem, uh, I would encourage you to, to look to Chinese medicine. We've got a couple of formulas. Acupuncturists can introduce you to more, but like if there is insomnia in sort of like your world right now, you should consider Chinese medicine. We have products for women's health. We just launched a couple of really exciting formulas that are relevant for hashtag 2020. And I'll leave you to kind of uh, re read more about that on our website, but we, we recommend that everyone has those in their toolkit right now. And then as well, we've got some stuff for sleep. And I would say we're just getting started. The challenge is trying to kind of pick which, which ones are the best because you get into it and there's some real nuanced things that Chinese medicine can do. And again, we're 
speaking sort of to the masses here. And, you know, eventually we'd like to grow to that point where we have some more specialized options. But as it stands right now, we've got just really great solutions for big, big category problems that particularly in the West with what we've experienced in the last year, you know, immunity is one thing, but the fallout from COVID and everything from stress to sleep, you know, like we, we have solutions. I should say Chinese medicine has solutions for those needs. And what's more, you're seeing a real big push here, at least in the United States and Europe, on preventative health and wellness and people turning to dietary supplements to really augment, you know, that which you can or can't get from your Western doctor. And I don't think that that's a theme that's going to change here behaviorally anytime soon. I think it's going to be actually just the opposite when we get more into immunity in particular. And this thing's evolving. It's, it's zigging and zagging here a little bit. And so we don't know kind of what the next 12, 18, 24 months look like. But this, I can assure you, we're going to be, at least me, wearing masks on airplanes here for a while. And if you read what Delta Airlines and others are saying, there is nothing but pent up demand that's out there. You know, as far as people using miles, people did not give up their credit cards. I was reading this the other day. People did not give up their airline credit card miles, just the opposite, you know, throughout the last 12 months. And I think that speaks to just the need for people to get out there and move and see and go to Hawaii and and do all these things that we couldn't do. But that's just going to kind of make the sort of health uh, sort of profile, you know, kind of murky here. And, And I am all in favor of what's transpiring on the vaccine front, but we just as well don't know kind of what sort of other things look like. And I'm way over my skis here. You're hearing the, the, the opinion according to John McGarvey, but people are very much going to be focused on safety and their health and wellness. And that comes down to preventative health. I think we can experience it right now. The fact that knock on wood, we're not getting the common cold or, you know, the traditional influenza the same way we would have a year ago, two years ago, whatnot. And, and so much of that has to do with just the precautions that we're taking. And that's really where Chinese medicine thrives is on this preventative front. And so I'll get off my, my soapbox here a little bit, but I think the approach, particularly as, as we get out and move and, and shake hands or hug or not and all that kind of stuff, just this need to really stay safe, you know, is going to be a theme that's not going away. And the other is there are wonderful options in Western medicine, but as we've experienced, and this happened both when I was in China and certainly now here at Dow Labs, you hear about like, well, all these other Western options and solutions that I had just never seemed to work but we got this to work. And that's really cool. And that's sort of this practice and modality in in a nutshell. I love it. And I'm just imagining now we can have like a little uh, global nomads kit that, you know, in there, you have to have the thing for your digestion, and you have to have a thing for your immunity, and you just keep it in your travel bag. Because we've all had those experiences where we were unsure, particularly in the last year, if you've done any kind of travel, it's like, how do you build a bigger bubble about yourself so that you protect yourself, you know, when you move out of your pod or you move out of your safe space, whether that's getting on a plane or even just going to the gas station, how do you increase your immunity? And then also when you're on the road and you're eating different things and you're trying different things, you know, you can have lots of disruptions in the cycle of what's going on internally. And that's really seems to be the sweet spot for the internal medicine of Chinese medicine. And, and, and I really have appreciated that having worked with the acupuncturist the times that my system is off, my belly is where it, it speaks. And so travel is one of those places where it could be internal, it could be stress, but it's often just a change in diet and change of environment. Totally. And if you can balance that out with something that's as simple as, if I'm un- understanding it correctly, it's kind of like taking an emergency. You know, you just dump yeah. it in your water and stir it up and drink it down. And absolutely that as opposed to 
bunch of like right now, I've got my, you know, my jars of supplements and I carry around my pill packs. And, you know, granted, I've got other autoimmune stuff, so I, I have to have yeah. those with me. But the supplements, yeah. the you know, the herbal supplements don't fit in there. They're too big. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I, we, we, we t- totally get it. And like, who's going to boil herbs on an airplane? You know, nobody, you know, and so like, like, that's the whole premise of going back to your question of like, culturally, how do you make it fit in, you know, yeah. and that was obviously a, a, a no brainer is just the, the convenience of all of it. And so, so yeah, I just think as the world opens up and it's, I've, you know, made my piece or case with like, it, it's pent up and it's coming. There is some solutions that alternative medicine, I hate to use that term, but Chinese medicine would be categorized in that sort of like category. And it's, it's very, very powerful and very useful. Well, and I think, you know, you've really found that sweet spot between bringing something that's from one culture and making it accessible to another culture. And that's really ultimately what we as global nomads are trying to do. It's well, you're not changing the places you're coming from or going to, but you're sort of taking the best from them and sharing it with others. And then that's really, you know, and part of that is done through translation. And sometimes it's a physical translation of a product or a service, and it may be applied differently for different cultures. So I think it's it's really a beautiful example of how we as global nomads can really make a difference in the world to when you experience something that really has a profound impact and uh, can make a difference to find ways to translate those things so that they're more accessible to the rest of the world. Because each area has something amazing to offer. And I'm kind of curious as to, I mean, right now it's Tao for you, and it's Mm -hmm. very much about Chinese medicine. But you've done some things in Central America, at least, and we Mm -hmm. know that there are a lot of plant-based solutions that are from traditional means uh, that are also not very accessible. And, And sometimes they haven't been, you know, translated properly. Do you think there's some opportunities there in terms of, I mean, whether it's South America or Africa or other parts of Asia, or have you come across any other things that you think might eventually be opportunities to integrate into, whether it's Tao or something else? Yeah, I think that the one we can always kind of go to is Ayurvedic medicine, which hails from India. And there's wonderful brands out here, particularly tea companies that offer really great Ayurvedic inspired you know, products and, and formulas and, and whatnot. And I can, you know, certainly point you to several of those. And I think when it comes down to certain needs and depending on the physical goal or the wellness goal or whatnot, there are so many, there are so many different local, if you will, modalities that we just aren't familiar with, you know, and, and so much of it comes from either the experience my colleague, who incidentally has been stranded in Johannesburg, or pardon me, Cape Town, South Africa, is um, a licensed acupuncturist, but she's also an Ayurvedic doctor. And she um, is going through a couple of health needs right now. And, and she was just explaining that, well, actually for this, Ayurvedic does a much stronger sort of, or offers a much stronger solution. And it really takes that knowledge. I would never have known that. She has obviously studied it and devoted a lot of her life to both Ayurvedic and, and Chinese medicine. And I think the experiences of getting out there and being privy to or exposed to, you know, these things. Listen, my first experience with Chinese herbal medicine was in Thanksgiving in 2006 when something went sideways and from a digestive perspective, and I was pretty sick and I was treated exclusively with herbs. 
that was my first exposure. And I thought of that when I was at natural products expo West years later, like, well, I, <laughs> I was sick as a dog for about 24 hours. I have no idea what I took, but it was, you know, life changing, at least at that point in time. And it was that experience, you know, there, there wasn't the antibiotic was readily accessible at that moment in time. And so thinking through the experiences that either some of the other guests or listeners have had when you're out there, it's so much as just the eyes and the ears and, and seeing it and being exposed to it. And then to an extent, you know, letting go of that, you know, healthy skepticism that we sometimes carry with us and be willing to try. Many, many, many Western doctors get a chuckle out of what I do because there's no science and they've gone to Western medical schools and whatnot. And I can't tell you what happened to me in Tibet in 2006 and Thanksgiving, but I can tell you it worked. And I 100% chalk it up to the herbs, herbs themselves for that. And that doesn't come from a Western textbook, you know, but ultimately the point is, is that because I was there and I saw it and I felt it like, I mean, come on, 15 years later, I'm running a company that's doing it. So (laughs) you tell me. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, no, it's good stuff. And I think we all need to be open to different options. And, you know, with new challenges coming along, you alluded to it a little bit earlier. I don't think this is over. This has just changed the way that we perceive and not just the way that we perceive, but also that we behave around taking good care of our health and wellness and immunity and just recognizing that we need to wash our hands more. We need to, yeah. you know, yeah. we need to be aware of our environment. Germs are there. You know, yeah. it's not that that's yeah. a new thing. It's just that yeah. we're, and the coronavirus may not be the last time this happens and probably won't. It, well, it definitely won't. But I mean, in, in our lifetime, there may be others. You know, how do we support ourselves and our communities better and to understand more about immunity and about the things that we can do to protect our bodies? And so I think this is a really great opportunity for a more accessible way to really understand some of the tools that you can keep in your toolkit to protect yourself from future problems. I would agree. And if I could yes end that, I spend a tremendous amount of time still in Asia, focused primarily right now in Taiwan. I was there right before coronavirus hit. And I remember walking off the plane. And this was before it actually hit in the headlines. It was in early December of last 2019. And I distinctly remember walking off the plane and going through customs and having our temperature taken. And I can also hark back to a dinner a couple of years before that at a very nice restaurant in Taipei that my business partner had taken us to. And the waiters and all of the staff were wearing masks and they were wearing face shields. And that was just kind of part of it. And there was something about the experience this last time walking through customs and seeing the masks and the temperatures and all that kind of stuff. And here we are a year later. And if there's one part of the world that hasn't been hit by this, it, it is Taiwan. And they've done a really, really great job. My point is, is that as we go forward to, you know, amplify what you just said, you know, I haven't had a knock on wood, a sore throat or the common cold this flu season. And I attribute so much of that to wearing the mask and washing the hands and taking the herbs and all of those types of things. And I guess I could see us evolving. I mean, I think about this. Will I be wearing a mask next year? Will I need to wear a mask? You know, those are two kind of different questions, but will I want to? And I think for stuff that spilled over, and I could tell you exactly why, you know, Taiwan got hit by SARS really, really hard. And they're like, this is not going to happen again. And ipso facto, they've had a really you know, easy time at it. I think that's part of kind of what you're talking about in the reverse, where it's just stuff coming over and it's just kind of living with us. I remember very early on asking my friend in New York City, like, are people wearing masks? And he's like, just those of Asian descent, you know? And it was, well, ha ha, he he. Here we are. And it's like, will we be wearing masks a, a year from now? Like, possibly, you know, and would we be okay with that? And from a sociological perspective, 
think that that that's fine. I kind of think that is. And that's something that's been in Asia for a very, very long time. And that goes back as well. And I'll stop here, but it goes back to their definition of the way pathogens are spread. It's all through the air, the way that we want to cover certain parts of our bodies. This is not new to Asia. You know, Mm -hmm. masks might be, but covering and whatnot has been around for hundreds, if not thousands of years. And that's all part of kind of what created uh, or contributes to the way Chinese medicine approaches just dealing with problems. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for making them so accessible and some of the solutions. And for folks who want to try some of the products or learn more about it, they can go to mydowlabs.com. That's with the D-A-O, mydowlabs.com. And we'll also have all of those links and everything on the show notes so that you can check it out. John, is there anything else you want to add? I'm afraid we're going to have to wrap up, but this has been really interesting learning more about your story and about the story behind Dow. And I highly recommend you guys get your kit ready because we want to be able to get out and have that fluidity of movement again, but we need to protect ourselves and our immunity. And this is a great tool to just add to your toolkit. You've said it just perfectly there. And the other thing I would say is starting a, a company that has a global nomad aspect to it is a lot easier than you think. It just takes the willingness and, and the, the motivation to, to take the leap and, and do it. And I can't wait, as I mentioned to you, in the green room. I, I can't wait to get on a plane again and, and go do business and see friends and all that kind of stuff because ultimately it, it is a tremendous amount of fun. It's hard, but it's fun. Well, we look forward to it. We'll share a bottle of wine and, and talk about <laughs> the adventures. We're overdue. Anyway, um, it's been a delight to see you again. And uh, thank you for sharing your story with our global nomads out there. And folks, thanks for joining us today. I hope you enjoyed today's show. And if you did and you haven't already subscribed, make sure you do so you don't miss any of the great upcoming episodes. And if you do a rating or review, we always appreciate if you let us know so we can send a little love back. It's been an honor and pleasure to be with you today. Thank you all. And we'll catch you next time. Bye-bye for now.